0: Here's a song from Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory called Pure Imagination that plays through our house often. Not the original version, but the one by Diana Panton. And it has a refrain, you know the one. If you want to view paradise, simply look around and view it. Anything you want to, do it. Wanna change the world? There's nothing to it. And while I find those words, and that song completely enchanting. I think of Jeff every time I hear it. Jeff plays with our kids in a way that boggles my mind. He doesn't simply get on their level or involve himself in their games the way I do. Jeff wields a power to capture their attention and imagination and will create worlds and missions in entire games with as many or as few props as he has at his disposal. I will watch in awe as Jeff opens his eyes in shock and informs Oliver that there is a purple dragon behind him. And when Oliver whips around to look, somehow Oliver too sees this giant majestic beast. They will then go on a dragon hunt, only to discover that the dragon is actually friendly, but needs their help to finish his expedition. Turns out this purple dragon can also shrink down to a size that can fit perfectly on a three-year-old's shoulder, and actually prefers to travel by shoulder. So off they go to complete the quest sure to be filled with many obstacles and other magical beasts. Anytime that Jeff is playing with the kids and I try to break in with a mundane question, I'm met with the barrage of protests and the desperate plea for dad to stay in the game. Remember that Willy Wonka song I mentioned? Honestly, I have a hard time getting behind the sentiment that when it comes to imagining a new world, there's nothing to it. But I want to. I'm inspired by this type of play and engagement. I want to play like him. So I'm going to sit down with Jeff and ask him, are there some tools you can give me to be better at this play form and have more fun while doing it? I'm Jess and this Is eight, meet nine. One of the things that I see you do so well is playing with our kids. I feel like you kind of span the whole spectrum. I watch you play with action figures, whether it be Transformers or like Mario toys, and you're each kind of taking control of a character and a scene is played out and you have to attack the Decepticons or get Bowser, you know, or I, I watch you guys have props, like you have swords, you have a cardboard box Mm -hmm. and then you need to capture this. And when I try to recreate that,
1: yeah,
0: there, there's so many roadblocks with the kids themselves that I, I have a hard time. I lose interest because yeah. I feel like they almost sabotage it. But you yeah. get past it.
1: Yeah.
0: How do you get past the sabotage?
1: What are some of those roadblocks that you experience when you're trying to write a Transformers story with the action figures. Yeah,
0: okay. Well, uh, our oldest kid, Elliot, will often want to, he's six, he wants to turn everything into a battle. Mm -hmm. Like, they're suddenly, the the characters he's in charge of are attacking my characters, just like, you know, crash, crash, crash. Right, right. It's all a battle. And I'm like, and it's just, then you're like, okay, well, Great job! You won that battle. Now let's keep on with the mission. Then you like move your character of you know five inches, and it's attack again, and it's like, oh my gosh, my hand hurts because plastic has been hitting it.
1: Your battles are different, I've noticed, because they're like. Slam one toy into the toy that you're holding.
0: Yes, and
1: that and it feels less like intricate and like less of
0: right. You're you not know. wielding the sword in their hand to kind of like ding 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 ding. Right, ding. they're not <laughs> fighting on the
1: edge of a table and one just like overcomes the other at the last minute and tosses them off. No, and that's how you want it to go. Yes, because you see it played out in movies and you're like, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this right here. Yeah, yeah. or like
0: you you want to have a plot where you're like, whoa, me and this character will try to capture this character in the plastic been and mm-hmm. you know yeah there's a struggle but it's and then it just turns into like hand plastic battles and
1: that's awful in fact i don't even engage in hand plastic battle like uh that happened yesterday actually with some of the mario figures yeah and elliot just wanted to like pound mario with bowser yeah. while i held mario and i was like this <laughs> like you said this hurts it hurts and i was like yeah i'm not i'm not so i so how do you redirect yeah so good question first i would draw a line there and be like i'm not doing hand plastic battles okay because that sucks. The other thing is, with Elliot, I established sort of the rules of imaginative play in his brain when he was much younger. Oh. Right? Like, that's something that I started with early. Yes. Like, I was oh, buying him Ninja Turtles yes. super early. When he was two. Right. I think he got his first Transformer when he was, like, two years old. Like, yeah. age yeah, range. Yeah, between two and
0: three.
1: Um, And so, imaginative play, I think, is something that he's tied to me. And I want to unpack that a little bit later about sort of the implications of being not the only parent, but but the default parent for imaginative play. But some of the rules that that I set up during that sort of establishment period um, were, one, like voices... Are really useful for directing the narrative, and so oh. y- you hear Elliot and I like using like our Megatron voice yeah, yes. or our like Leonardo voice.
0: Right? Oh my yes.
1: Um, or our wizard voice. Like we've been wizards the last couple days outside. Can I, can
0: I just hear a little wizard sample?
1: Um, Elliot, the Black Dragon, is turning all of the elves into his army, and 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 so he knows that when that's coming at him. He knows to respond. When it comes to action figures, you're able to pivot around action figures. So if something is getting too violent in my hand, too plastic, violent in my hand, I can immediately introduce another character using another voice and not redirect him, Elliot, necessarily, but redirect the the players or the, like I'd say, players or the toys that he's in charge of.
0: Because, say, in
1: this hand, I don't know, Megatronus or Shredder, pick your bad guy, is just blasting Bumblebee or Leonardo. You can introduce over in another hand, you know, Donatello or something else, bring them in, and then Elliot is able, he'll he'll redirect over there. And then just by virtue of redirecting, that becomes a more dialogue intense bit of imaginary play. And you've <laughs> now circumvented the hand mashing. Okay. And and that is you know specifically for action figure yeah. play. Yeah.
0: Do you find that that also happens in play? I find it happens in play with when there are no characters involved, but you're like using just your imagination outside. Right. Where it suddenly attack dad. Yeah. Everyone attack dad and you just or jump on your leg and try to get you down and you're like i didn't want this to just become like a wrestle sesh
1: that yeah i think that's a really good question and i think what what we've done um elliot oliver you of course now are involved uh (laughs) and amelia (laughs) is involved is we kind of have like those those wrestling sessions we do and those are those are Those are imaginative play, but they haven't, we like named them as a family. We're like, you know, Elliot or Oliver will run over and be like, hey, dad, can we play good guy, bad guy? Right. And it's like good guy, bad guy. But you you say it like one word, like, you know what I mean? (laughs) Good guy, bad guy. Yeah, dad, can we play good guy, bad guy? (laughs) There's like barely any (laughs) syllables in there, you know? Um, And so I think they know wrestling is reserved for good guy, bad guy. Yeah. Um, It doesn't happen when we're wandering through the yard hunting some invisible dragon yeah so that's that's sort of nice like we've compartmentalized good guy bad guy yeah um the other thing that's also really useful for for sort of a theme that i'm seeing in in these questions is conflict and violence is fine but sometimes my hand hurts because i'm being pounded and also i don't want to be attacked all the time like how do we do imaginative play with boys and have them not just always want to yeah. like war with us yes um the other thing that was really useful is I taught Elliot to break the fourth wall pretty early. Yeah. And so, like, and it's so funny. Like, Explain um, what the fourth wall is. So, like, you know, so here we are engaged in some fantasy quest. Yeah. Or in some, you know, robot planet. And then that's where the narrative's taking place. Sometimes we need to interrupt the narrative have a conversation with each other on like a human like to human level about the story. Yeah, yeah, like dad to Elliot. So we can kind of plan where we're going next and then go back. And so-
0: And he's comfortable with that.
1: Right, but he knows it happens. And he'll be like, no, dad, like, like sometimes I'll break the fourth wall and stay in character. And he'll be like, no, use your real voice. <laughs> <laughs> and like, he, like, I can't. Yeah, and so he, he's yeah. got to this place where we've, we've practiced sort of breaking the fourth wall Coming together, having a, a you know, a figurative huddle about the story and then going back to the story. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's something that you could definitely okay. try to yeah. employ is is like breaking the fourth wall of Elliot, not in a disciplinary way. Yeah. But cause like don't talk about like you're hurting my hand, but rather like talk about the story oh. and the course of the action.
0: Talk about what you want and not right. what you
1: don't want. And you right, in terms of the story right. elements and then re-engage. Um, oh, and so that. to just break the fourth wall, just for, like, Hey, don't hit my hand, you know, just for some type of, uh, indictment or whatever, Yeah, like that's no fun,
0: it and, is they're no gonna, fun. and they're
1: going to lose interest and it sucks as a parent having yeah. to deliver that. Right. So, so those I think would be, uh, a, a couple ways, at least in, in terms of imaginary play or, or, or imaginative play that, I've been able to help sort of, sort of manage this within the course of the family. Yeah. Um,
0: so when, when things are getting to a point where I'm not seeing the way out, I tend to say, Hey guys, this is fun. I'm done playing. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go do a task that I was going to do. I just kind of shut it down because I don't know how to get it back on track. Yeah. And, That's at like often the 10 or 15 minute mark for me. Yeah. And I see you playing for so much longer than that with them on these quests, whether or whether it be outside or inside. And so I assume that you either don't hit a wall or you feel like you hit the wall and you choose to keep going. Do you feel like you hit a wall and decide I want to keep going cuz I want their play experience to be longer or do you stop when you hit your wall?
1: I mean both, kind of all of the above. I think my play say Transformers since, since that has been like the largest amount of imaginary yeah. play we've had when it comes to that type of play. It takes a lot for me to to buy in initially. Okay. And so what I mean by that is like, they'll be like, hey, dad, can you play Transformers? And in my mind, I know I'm like, this is going to be a 45 minute to 60 minute commitment. Like we are going to write a 60 minute story and act it out and play it out. And we tend to get lost in the imagination. Yeah. So I don't think I have like a barrier once I'm in. But at the same time, I'm like, do I have an hour to play Transformers right now? (laughs) Because it's not going to last 15 minutes. And it's not going to last 10 minutes. So that that is something that I consider at the outset.
0: So I guess your answer to that is you play for as long as your threshold lets and right. you don't push beyond it. Right. So, so you don't walk into it going, I would like to play with them for an hour. You go, I know I'm going to want to play with them for an
1: hour. No, I do both. And, and I, do, I do that even now. Imaginative play is exhausting. Because it's like simultaneous creation. Yeah. And there's there's like a sort of a natural aversion to, to that. Like any creative endeavor is the war of art or <laughs> but I also think it's like really, really, really useful. And so I'm always like, Jess, I need to play. Like I'll have those conversations. You'll have with you. those
0: conversations. Or yeah, I'm like,
1: Jess, I need to go and have imaginative play with with You're the like,
0: kids. For one hour today. It's my goal. One it, hour right, today, I wanna play. To
1: do this. Yeah. So I know it's useful. I know once I'm in, I get lost for the most part. Uh, And then it kind of just naturally resolves.
0: Yeah. How have you seen it change your relationship with the kids to have that dynamic?
1: I can talk about the two older ones a little bit more fully.
0: Because Amelia teeny, is only two. Yeah. So she's not quite there yet.
1: Elliot, I was really sort of intentional about Cultivating imaginary play with, as as he was growing older, I s- noticed that I became a little bit of a crutch for him. Like Elliot could not have imaginary play independent, which he does. I'm not saying he doesn't. He has so much. He's al- grown in that. He's a lot. grown into that. But there was there were seasons between heavy transformer usage and what we now call. Alone time right. in the living room, which is when he wants to shut all the doors, <laughs> and do Mario ninja moves around no the one's furniture. I'm not sure
0: what he's doing in and there, and no
1: one's allowed to look no. at him at all. Um, but there was a period where he couldn't—he couldn't do that on his own. Mm-hmm. Like he couldn't muster up.
0: He needed you to direct the story.
1: Right. And and he would buy in and he would add to the story and he would, con, you know, contribute. But that was something that he had to sort of learn to take ownership of. And there was that was like a really hard time, if you remember.
0: Yeah. It was probably six months.
1: And I think I felt particularly bad during that time because I, I felt the need to pull back and give him sort of that space to produce it on his own and have that autonomy on his own. Um, with Oliver, Oliver would join us because he was younger and he would and you know, we would make some provisions for Oliver. But I see Oliver now as a three year old. I don't know, I see him having a really wonderful time of imagination on his own. And I think it was modeled for him. I think he watched all of uh, Elliot and I do that. It's not as it's not as sacred to him. Like Oliver can be in the same room. As like five other people and <laughs> doing imaginary play, you know, he's like flying a spaceship across, you know, like your classic trope.
0: Yes, and there's none of the don't look at me.
1: Right. Whereas Elliot is is in the living room. He
0: does not want to be observed. Right. Having imaginary time.
1: Right. And I was more like Elliot growing up as a child. I would shut the doors to my room. I would play. If someone came in, it was it was it was like the house lights went on and <laughs> you had to you know we're, we'll talk, we're done the conversation. Shut the door on your way out,
0: and then you can be. And then you can get again. back in it again. Yeah. <laughs> Another thing that you do is you you create games that I'll just call mission games. So you you kind of straddle this line between leading an activity and then joining them in an imaginative play. And you, for example, we we have we got these like blinky toy. This, like the
1: little lights. Yeah, these blinking light lights. Yeah.
0: And it's it's a game that's designed for something completely different, but it's over our children's head. And so you found them one day and you were like, "Okay, everyone join together. This is the mission. All the lights in the house are going to go off, and I will hide these while you're upstairs and I'll call you down." And you I I couldn't even begin to to say the rules because they're they feel pretty intricate, but
1: maybe we'll put them in the show notes. <laughs> yeah, I'll type up the rules. Oh
0: my gosh, that would be to, amazing because they feel so far fetched in my has, mind. No,
1: they're not far fetched, they're very reasonable, by the way. <laughs> well, and I think the name because I let Elliot name all the games, yeah. You know,
0: what is the it, name? It,
1: police Officer Hunt, <laughs> which sounds like you're hunting police officers. It does. But, in fact, you are the police officer who is doing the hunting, the hunting. of the robbers.
0: <laughs> ah. Yes. Okay. So, all the lights in the house have to be off.
1: For police officer hunt. For police yes. officer hunt. Yes.
0: Where the police officers are hunting. <laughs> yes. And it has become one of the kids... Favorite games. Right. They ask the babysitter to play it. They ask <laughs> me to play it. They Have ask asked the babysitter. Yes, to play they it? ask the babysitter to play, and then inevitably, she has no idea what they're talking about when she says, <laughs> "Can we play police officer hunt?"
1: Yeah, huh. <laughs>
0: <laughs> But I also see this 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 stamina in you that's willing to create enormous worlds, and then. And then navigate and police that, I suppose, of the kids, like them breaking the rules or cheating a little bit. And where do your ideas for that come from?
1: Yeah. Okay. So so the, the category of mission games, you know, Police Officer Hunt is one we made up. Um, or Watchtower, yeah. where I'm up on, you know, the second floor of the house with a flashlight at night. And they're running through the yard. The kids are
0: outside. This is an inside outside game. Right,
1: right. They're running through the yard and trying to get from one side of the yard to the other without being spotted. Like so, watchtower. I'm going to start there because I feel like that's like the uh, the embryo of of all these ideas. Okay. Um, And really, I remember sort of my dad playing games like that with me in our backyard when we were growing up. So he would get to a high point in the backyard like on a wall or on the roof or something with a flashlight. yeah and we'd have we would effectively play that. Um, so I remember having a ton of fun as a kid doing that. and so there's there's another reoccurring theme like as a kid, I had incredible imagination and time. I want to give that to my kids. As a kid, I remember my dad playing these mission games. yeah, I want to give that to my kids. That's something that I think I'm kind of on the lookout for because I enjoyed it so much as a kid. With regards to our kids, I know our kids like, they like being chased <laughs> and they like being wrestled. Yeah. And that is, that, that's basically their love language. Yeah. So then I think, all right, how can we take these raw materials of this game and incorporate it into chasing or wrestling and then the real parental-like strategy that I came up with, probably because of not being as mobile lately, is how can I chase the kids without having to actually chase them? So you use the
0: flashlight. So the
1: flashlight.
0: You're preserving energy.
1: Right. So I can. So we. So what? So in terms of police officer hunt.
0: <laughs> Still sounds so bad.
1: They're trying to sneak around the. You know. One part of the house that's all dark and steel, you know, gems. Gems. Well, well like, gems. These like little yes. light up things you described. Well, I walk around and try to catch them with a flashlight, and if I catch them, they return the gem. So I'm able to chase them, but at the same time, I'm able to hold Teeny's hand and she can walk with me. Right. And now the boys are super engaged. Teeny and I are having conversations while we're looking for the boys. And so it's like, it's a game that sort of started to play out uh, to meet all the, all three kids needs at once. And it didn't start out that way. Like not even close. Yeah. Like it started out having to like, you know, well, we've got these things, these toys. How are we going to play with them with you guys in a way that makes sense? Come up with that, then figure out how are we going to engage Teeny, And then the game sort of takes its own shape.
0: It, it, it lights up a part of them that is not engaged, I feel like, in any other way. And they feel, they feel yeah, so deeply loved by it. And
1: they started making their own games. Like, Oliver last weekend was made up spoon find. Yes,
0: spoon find. Where he wanted
1: to hide all the spoons around the house. Yeah. And then we had like to- Like our
0: real spoons.
1: Right, our real spoons. And <laughs> so we had to, like, find the spoons, you know? Yes. But then there was, like, something about lava pillows involved.
0: He had to grab all of his stuffed animals.
1: And then you could throw the stuffed animals. Yeah.
0: But he he wants to recreate it, which right. is exactly part of your goal.
1: Right. Like, I want Oliver to grow up going, here's, here's the scenario I'm in. I'm in quarantine. I'm in an airport. Like, take your pick. Here are the raw materials I have at my disposal. How can I create something that will... You know, serve others, engage others, and engage me, and we'll all have fun.
0: Yeah. What advice do you have for me? Watching me not be awesome necessarily at that, and 15 minutes feeling like two hours.
1: So, with imaginative play, just to reiterate, feel comfortable breaking the fourth wall, but when you do, it shouldn't be an indictment. Yes. Or, or. Or directive, but rather it should be more pointed towards the story.
0: T- pointed towards the story. So direct the story in a way that takes care of right. the indictment.
1: Don't direct your kid's behavior. You know, don't direct Elliot's behavior. Yeah. Direct the story you're telling with him. Yes. Um, so that's number one. Two. Yes. Make sure you got, like, your voice is on lockdown. Voice.
0: <laughs> that in itself is, like, a huge mammoth thing. I think you're
1: so good at voices, though. Oh, Okay. And I mean, you did a really good impression of me earlier tonight. <laughs> I felt like you really <laughs> nailed who I am when I'm speaking. <laughs> 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 oh, man. If we could have wives and husbands call in and do impressions of each other, oh, that, would be, that would be awesome. Do an impression of, of your, your spouse. spouse. We'll air them at the end of episodes. So you got to get your voices on lockdown. Voices,
0: and and I I like how you were talking about with the hand bashing, like bringing another character, right? Which isn't necessarily breaking break the fourth wall. It's just redirecting,
1: right? Right. But and then but yeah, but it ties in like you're redirecting without indictment, yeah, um, or discipline, and I think that respons- that that keeps them engaged. Yes. Um, and then when it comes to sort of those mission centric games, yeah. Our kids like to be chased. They like to be wrestled.
0: But dilute the energy.
1: Right. But chasing doesn't necessarily mean running. Right. I, I, I try to think of like ways that we can chase the kids. And so whereas in Watchtower, I'm at a high point and I don't have to move at all. Right. In Police Officer Hunt... I, I'm, You know, I'm circling the the perimeter, but I don't and have to run. you can be in
0: like two rooms.
1: Totally. And then they are just sometimes you, you just got to freaking play Sharks and Minnows and chase right. the kids. And chase the kids. Or Forest Troll Hunter and oh. chase the kids. Which there
0: is still a lot of chasing the kids. There's
1: totally a lot of chasing. But you can, like you said, dilute it by finding.
0: When you just don't, when you're like, I want to engage them, but I don't have the energy to do this.
1: Right. Water balloons worked well this summer. Yeah. When we, like, they wanted to do water balloons every day. Right. Um, water guns, of course. But yeah, so what, you know what I mean? Like, there's different ways. So that's at least, I think the strategy is this. Like, the framework of chasing can encompass a lot. With teeny, it's also really tough. It is. Like, if you can get the two boys isolated, then you, you know, yeah. just because of the age... The age range at this point.
0: Right. She just scatters things with her hands or wants to be held all the time.
1: Right. And that's like, how are you supposed to run through the forest? Yeah. You know, I think one step that you could take, and this would be like really interesting experiment, is to, with Elliot and Oliver, pick up something and tell them it's something that it's not, and then see what happens next. Oh, so like go outside, pick so up yeah, golden sword, right, and then see what happens next. Okay, because I think when you, because they know that I mean they know that's not a lie, even though it kind of is, right? Like when when you do that, I think they're primed. Yeah. To give you the next, to give you a set of instructions. Okay. Which I think would be really kind of fun.
0: I'm going to try that.
1: And then I don't know. Anything about, I don't know, anything about improv. Except from what I like read in a Tina Fey book once (laughs) 11 years ago. But I think when the kids propose things in character, in the story, you know.
0: Always say yes. Yeah. And. Right. You buy in.
1: Right. And I mean, yesterday, for instance, we were playing that wizard game. Which just involved us walking around the backyard with sticks, shooting lightning at dragons, and just. yeah. And Elliot wanted my staff and Oliver's staff, and I said no. And then we like broke the fourth wall. We got into this sort of like power struggle, you know, between a almost six year old and his father. And we're like arguing about why I'm not going to give him my stick and why I won't let Oliver. And in my mind, I'm just like saw this moment where I I thought he was going to sabotage the game. Um, And then come to find out last, you know, last night as I'm, you know, tucking them into bed that, Elliot had this idea where he wanted to, like, combine all three cystics to, like, create, like, a a super wand that was going to, like, summon more lightning that would then really make sure that the dragon was going to be absolved. Like, so, there was this whole, like, plot he had. He had a vision. And... Like, skeptical dad, me, went, no, like, you don't, know, you don't get to take my stick. I'm using this. Yeah. Um, but I really feel like I shut down sort of this really cool story hmm. that Elliot could have led us on. So for you, as you reach roadblocks, you know, pick something up, tell the boys it's something that it's not. See what happens next. Jess and I thought it would be valuable every few episodes or so to bring in a counselor or a therapist to help unpack the topic in lieu of childhood development and mental well-being.
0: In a moment, we will be joined by Kelly Laporta. She is a licensed marriage and family therapist, and we're so excited to have her weigh in on the topic of imaginary play. Kelly earned her master's degree in marriage and family therapy from Fuller Theological Seminary. Kelly is training in emotionally focused therapy, cognitive behavioral therapy, and organic intelligence. She currently works in a private practice as a licensed marriage and family therapist in Scottsdale, Arizona.
1: Here is part of our conversation with Kelly.
2: The one thing that I I have seen with Play is that it will get kids to also open up about things that they wouldn't normally open up with. And this is for older kids. So maybe older than Selah, my daughter, who's two and a half, but maybe for like eight or um, nine-year-olds, you can kind of get into their world on a different level. And I'm thinking back to a client that I had who was 10 and her mom had just passed away. Um, Hmm. And she of course came in and didn't want to talk about it because no 10-year-old wants to talk about that. It's completely overwhelming and actually probably not helpful to make her talk about it. Um, hmm. But we started playing this game with this – she saw a microphone that we recorded podcasts with in my office and she thought that looked really fun to play with. So she s- grabbed it and we started playing this talk show game called Ask the Therapist for Help, okay? And we would take roles and she would be the therapist or I would be the therapist and we would the other person <laughs> would call in and ask questions about what they were struggling with, right? And wow. we, you'd have to, like, pro- like answer what they were struggling with. So the questions, you know, for the first couple times that we played this were pretty basic. Like, you know, Molly was mean to me on the playground or something. Um, but then as she started building trust for me, she started asking questions. She would call in and say, my fish just died and I'm really sad. What should I do mm. about my fish dying? Um, or, you know, my friend's having a really hard time right now. Like, should I give her a hug or whatever, you know, things in nine-year-old language. But she started to broach the topic of what she needed to talk about through the platform of play. Wow. Which was so cool to see unfold. It's like the direct conversations don't often work with kids (laughs) to get into their feelings and what's going on. Um, But through play, you can really use that to, to get into their inner world.
1: And just so I'm clear... You mm-hmm. said at the outset, this was something that was initiated by her.
2: By her. She found the microphone. She grabbed it and she said, let's play a game. I said, what game? And she, I guess, you know, she's heard those radio host games where people call in. Um, so we, we did that. And then I would play the therapist. So she kind of got an idea of what like, we're asking questions about problems. Right. Um, but they were very basic problems. And then she started bringing up what she needed to process.
1: That's in, that's incredible.
2: Yeah, it's their, they 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 want to process through this stuff but they just don't want to do it in the direct way that we adults do it.
0: So when you talk about guidance or yeah. you know what what do you mean? And sure. how would a parent who's not trained kind of lean into that without it being strange?
2: <laughs> yeah, totally without like being a therapist to their kids. Yeah, trying to like analyze what they mean by it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I think that it's really simple actually. I think when you're sitting with your kid and you can just kind of reflect what they're doing and what's going on, that can give the kid a lot of meaning and understanding um, and context. So. You know, I I don't have boys. I know you guys have two boys. And so our play probably looks really different. (laughs) I have a little (laughs) girl who just likes to play with dolls a lot and does a lot of like very, very gentle play. Um, But she will I I see her working through some life experiences within her play. And I kind of take like a stand back approach and just comment on what I'm seeing. So if she's, um, you know, rocking her baby and she's saying her baby's so sad, I kind of just reflect that. Oh, your baby's really sad. She's She's having a hard time right now. Looks like you're trying to comfort her by rocking her, right? So I'm just adding some meaning to the play.
0: Okay. And then would you simply comment, like, looks like you are giving her comfort or would you go so far as to say, wow, you're so comforting. Like, would you label her as like that positive trait or would you simply leave it as you are comforting her? I
2: think I would probably comment on the action rather than giving her a label. Okay, Um, You're comforting her right now. She's sad and you're comforting her right now to make her feel better. One thing I've noticed happen in the past week is, actually this probably happened two weeks ago before the corona stuff really got crazy, but um, we were starting to take her to the gym and trying to get her used to our gym daycare, and she was having a really hard time with it because it was a new gym, and she didn't know anybody, and it was just a, a totally novel experience for her, and so we had a few days and a few rough times where she would cry when we dropped her off, and you know, of course, she would rebound and be OK. But I noticed for about a week that most I'd say like 80 percent of her play was surrounding this particular experience. So wow. we would go, you know, we'd be sitting in her room. Maybe we'd be playing a puzzle and she would stand up and grab her backpack and her play keys and walk out of the room and say, bye, mom, I'm leaving and she says, "I love you. I'll be back later." And I said, "Okay, you're coming." <laughs> I said, "Okay, you're coming. So you're coming back." And she goes, "Yes." And then she goes, "Mama, be sad." <laughs> um, so I would, of course, like, <laughs> have to put on like my pout face and get really sad and say, "Oh, this is hard. I-, I really, I really miss you when you leave. I have a hard time when you leave." And she goes, "Okay, love you." have fun. okay. Um, and then she'd step out of the room, shut the door. And about two minutes later, she'd come in and she'd exclaim, I'm back. I always come back. Did you have fun? Like Aww. she was literally playing out the same experience. And I just let this happen over and over and over again. And I noticed as the week went on that her times with the drop off at the gym actually became a lot easier. Wow. So it's, it's just pretty fascinating how they need to play to work out their internal feelings in the same way that like we. We would do that by talking to our spouse or talking to a therapist or a friend.
1: Wow. So it's interesting. It sounds like Selah in this, you know, story that she's recreating is assuming yeah. the role of, of you as the mother. Yes. And then, and, and so she's in a way like cultivating empathy both yes. for you and cultivating empathy in you. Like, hey, mom, be sad. I need you to be, like, (laughs) put yourself in my shoes, so to speak.
2: Yes, yes, yes. That's a a great way to look at it. You know, I didn't even think about the fact that she's also putting me in that place to cultivate my empathy. Um, But you're absolutely Uh, right when kids do engage in this kind of play. I mean, that's one of the main benefits is that they are literally putting themselves in someone else's shoes in imaginary play. And so there's no other option than to take on another understanding of what another character might be feeling. I have one more question. Sure. Um because we have boys, a lot yeah. of the the play
0: that we do with them is action-based. Okay. What, you know, you're going on a quest, you're doing this. There's not a lot of emotions or even there's not a lot of verbal conflict. Yeah, of working out a problem. It's often like phys- you know, like physical mm-hmm. conflict. Mm-hmm. Would it be a, beneficial to possibly in this imaginative world that we're in start having verbal conflicts or, you know, like working out problems or, or is it okay just to be like, yeah, we're battling all the time.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think that you can kind of follow the kid's lead. Like I'm a pretty firm believer that we just kind of have the resources within us and we're working out what we need to be working out at the time. Um, If you wanted to maybe after the play, you could like sit down and, and say, like, what was your favorite part of that play? Or what did you like about that? Or what was what do you think that guy was feeling in that moment? You, you know, you could kind of prompt some of those conversations. But as far as in the moment, if they're having fun, I would just trust that they are doing what they need
1: to be doing. Kelly, thank you so much for spending this time with us, for answering some of our questions, and for sort of giving us these insights that, that we don't have as we talk about this conversation.
2: Of course. Thank you for having me.
0: There was so much valuable conversation there.
1: Yes, and you know, it's a shame that we only have 40 minutes. We, we just simply can't publish the whole interview, C- could we? But it was so good. Hmm. Hmm. So how about this? Let's take that interview and let's publish it as like a a mini bridge in-betweener episode.
0: Oh, so if someone wanted to hear the whole conversation, all they'd have to do is like click another button.
1: Yeah, like maybe hit next and and then they could hear it. Ding! Perfect. Well guys, uh, I'm Jeff. I'm Jess. And we're 8Meet9. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. You can find 8Meet9 content. You can connect with us at 8 meat 9com Search for our podcast in your favorite podcast platform. Be sure to leave a review. And you can also find us on Instagram.
0: My Instagram handle is the Pacific North Jess. But instead of spaces between the words, there are periods. So it goes something like the dot, Pacific dot, North dot, Jess, no dot.
1: No dot at the end. Um, we will continue to reiterate those dots. It's
0: not a gold idea, it's a silver.
1: In our, in our longstanding quest to find the real Pacific North Jess without the dots, uh, <laughs> it, it has come up fruitless. But, uh, but alas, we will find her. And we will commandeer that handle.
0: We'll buy it from her. No,
1: but with our buy guns. it from her.
0: <laughs> oh. What are we gonna <laughs> with our guns. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes.
0: I'm pointing to my muscles. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's uh,
0: imaginative play.
1: <laughs> Jess, do you wanna sign us off uh, like Winston Churchill?
0: If Winston Churchill were doing a parenting podcast, he might sign off like this: play hard drink
1: harder.